Uh, this is, uh, we're right into the uh, midst of Hispanic Heritage Month in our country. And I am thankful to be with you on this day. Thank God for the opportunity to visit with you and to share some thoughts with you. Um, I am a third generation believer and uh, I brag about that in my house until my wife reminds me that she's a sixth generation believer. And so there's some tension occasionally, but I, I owe a huge debt to Texas and to Baptists across our country because it is Baptists, talk about heritage, it is Baptists who put money together, called a cooperative program, who sent an itinerant preacher who could speak Spanish to West Texas on a horse uh, just a few years back and who found some migrant uh, workers in the fields and who shared the gospel with uh, Jose Maria and uh, uh, his wife Francesca Reyes and uh, they became believers. And you don't know, you know, we don't have 1.2 kids. My grandfather had 10 children. And so when he became a believer and when Grandma Francesca became a believer, 10 others became believers too. So imagine going visiting and just making two house visits and having 20 people show up to church the next day. That's, that's, that's a nice ROI, Pastor. You know, that's a good ROI. Uh, Uncle Joe and Uncle John and my dad and, uh, became deacons. And uh, here we are, third generation later, uh, my brother Albert is a president of Buckner International, and I'm very proud of him. And I get to serve Texas Baptist, all because Baptists got together and chose on this occasion not to fight, but to cooperate and to pool resources and to send somebody out to the fields of West Texas to share the gospel with people in a language that uh, they could understand and uh, planted seeds of faith. And it is there that we began our faith walk. And so this morning, I thought I would share with you some components of a faith walk. And I thank you, Jacob, for that last song uh, that encourages us to turn our eyes upon Jesus because that concept fits right in the middle of what we're trying to share with you this morning. And so uh, if you do have your Bibles and if you're going to take notes, I'm I, just, I do have to have three points. I was told that that's minimum here. And so uh, I will give you three points. But if you look in Matthew uh, chapter 14, you will see that um, we have a familiar story to you. This is not a new story. I believe you've all heard about Peter. And, and we, we, we kind of throw him under the bus pretty frequently because he, he took his eyes off the Lord and he sank. And, you know, we, we know that story about his walk of faith, so to speak. But uh, we do see in the verses that he spots Jesus there in a boat, as you know. And I've been there in that sea, and I've, I've been in a small boat like that, and you really don't want wind to be coming against the boat because it's a, a very treacherous time and a very treacherous space. But yet they were in a boat. It was windy, and they see Jesus walking. They think it's a ghost, and uh, I think it's so clear that believers uh, have clarity about who Jesus is and who, who he is not and can recognize him uh, as he approaches us because Jesus always approaches us. Nevertheless, Peter says, if it's you, Lord, ask, ask me to, I'd like to come out there. Is that you, Lord? And he says, yes, that is I. And he says, well, I'd like to come out there. And if you're taking notes, I would say your first one, your first 
point of the day would be to desire to walk with him. If you want to have a faith walk, if you want to be on that journey with him, you have to desire it. So when you wake up in the morning, did you say this morning, I, I want to walk with Jesus this morning? Because you know, Jesus is not in the boat. Jesus is out there in the winds and in the storm. Jesus is out there where poverty is. Jesus is out there where, where there are difficult situations, where people are dying, where people are hurting. That's where Jesus is. Do you really want to have a faith walk? Because a faith walk desires for us, for me and you, to walk with him. And if I walk along with him, I have to be where he is. I uh, have been married 30 plus years. And I, during those years, I have learned how to give my wife a very, very frequently, at times when it's appropriate and necessary, I have learned to give her some very serious listening to's. So I will go listen to her about many things. And uh, through the years, she's helped me to realize that I walk too fast. She doesn't walk too slow. I walk too fast. I learned this in one of those listening to's where I was sitting down listening to her. Tell me about my walking too fast. So I don't understand her shoes and how they're built. And it's a long story. We're not going to get into it right now. But the point is, I have learned to listen. And one of the things she just taught me is that I need to learn how to walk with her, not to walk ahead, not to walk too slow. I have to pay attention to where she is because we, I, can get, I can get lost. She never gets lost. I can get lost. I can run into things. So I have to pay attention to my walk when I walk with her because she's helped me to understand these guidelines of how to walk with her. And by the way, she likes for me to walk with her in the mall for some reason. I have to pay attention if I desire to walk with him. I have to pay attention to where Jesus is and to how he is walking, to his pace, to his direction. And I have to get my mind off of myself in order to have a commitment and a faith walk with him. That's what Peter asked. Lord, uh, if it's you, can I come out there? And he, uh, Jesus gave him permission. It said, come on. And in the next verses, he's, it says that he stepped out of the boat to go to Jesus. You see, that boat represents so much to me. It, it, it represents safety. It rep represents my comfort zone. It represents the kind of music I like to listen to. It represents me having the remote control in my hand. It just, it's my safety net. But Jesus says, come on. And the scripture very clearly states, Peter got out of the boat to go where Jesus was, regardless of what it looked like. He ignored the wind. He ignored the circumstances. He ignored his attire. He wasn't dressed for that occasion of being walking in the, in the water. That wasn't his attire for the day. But he was desirous to go where Jesus was. So number two is that you've got to, you want to have that faith walk. A component number two would be you need to step out of wherever you are to go to Jesus. And in this case, he got out of the boat. 
And I have to remind myself daily and frequently because as a believer, as a human, I get so much, I get so comfortable about being in my circumstance and I arrange the world so I am comfortable. And Jesus says to me and to you today, come on, get out of your boat and come to where I am. Leave that place of safety and security. Leave, leave what you know is, is normal and get away from that and come to me. Come on. Come to me. Be with me. You want to have a faith walk with him, you have to step out away from safety sometimes, away from the comfort, away from what you understand and know and call home. I was studying about Hispanics who have won the Medal of Honor. And so I looked at Vietnam, and gosh, there's a ton. I looked at World War II. I thought, well, let me go back a little bit further and see if there's any that won the, the Congressional Medal of Honor in World War II. And then I stumbled on something that I realized there were Hispanics fighting in the Civil War. I thought, what? I didn't even know there were Hispanics here in the Civil War you know, to, to fight in that battle. And I found a corporal, Joseph Del Castro, was the first Hispanic Medal of Honor winner in our complete country. He was born in Massachusetts. He wasn't even an immigrant or, or, or from another place. He was born here. He eventually married Rosalinda Rodriguez, who was from a different country. But Corporal Joseph Del Castro was the flag bearer for his company at the, the Battle of Gettysburg. He, he, he fought for the Union Army. And he was, all, his weapon, all he had was, his job was to hold the, the flag. And he, he was there where, where the battle was, but he was safe because he was near the general. And you know it was going to be safe where the general was. And I read where the general wrote in his own words, he said, all of a sudden, this corporal ran up to me and gave me the banner of the enemy's colors, representing the enemy's colors. You see, Corporal Joseph Del Castro, with his flag, had ran through the front where the battle was, broke through the front, out of his comfort zone, ran up to the enemy's flag bearer, knocked him down, somehow took his flag away from him, which is a no-no. You die, you do not let go of your colors. You can die, you can bleed to that, but don't let the colors hit the ground. Oh, you just can't do that. That's just unacceptable for those of you who don't have military experience. Corporal Joseph Del Castro broke through his lines into enemy lines, went up without a weapon, knocked the, the, the flag carrier down, took his flag away from him and ran up to his uh, general and presented the flag to him and then ran back to his place in line. The general says, I was shocked, but it, it built up the morale of our, uh, of our soldiers such. This is during one of Pickett's charges against uh, there at the battlefield in Gettysburg. A year later, Corporal Joseph Del Castro received the Congressional Medal of Honor for, for his gallant and his brave acts, encouraging the morale of, of Union soldiers during a difficult time at the Battle of Gettysburg. Corporal Joseph Del Castro is just one of a beginning number of Hispanics who've had a contribution to our country. Terry, I went back and found that there were Hispanics fighting and supporting us during the war uh, as, as we were just 13 colonies. I thought that was interesting about how Hispanics were helping to fund our battle against uh, 
uh, England. We have a huge heritage, but my heritage as a Hispanic is not as important as my heritage as a believer. We have a country full of Hispanics who do not know Jesus. My prayer today is that many of you will get convicted and feel that you need to cooperate with other believers and other Baptists and find those migrant workers and those people here, not worry about their status on this land, but worry about their eternal status and to share Christ with them that they might be knowing who he is and how to serve him. My promise to you is that the return on that investment is, can be pretty huge. Peter got out of the boat. I wonder if you find yourself in your comfort zone today, or maybe your being here is, is an expression of getting out of the boat. I do not know. But I know that the scripture is true and that Peter gives us a wonderful example of what it takes to be on the faith walk and that we have to get out of the boat. And then, as we all know, Peter takes his eyes off of Jesus. He starts to sink. Jesus, it says, the scripture says, reaches his hand out to him. I think that's really interesting because Jesus did not need to reach his hand out to Peter. All he had to say was, Peter, come up. I mean, he stilled the waters with his words. Why couldn't he just save Peter with his words? I thought that was interesting. I believe Peter needed to feel Jesus' helping hand. I don't think Jesus did it for Jesus. I think he did it, he did it for Peter. And I would say to you, having been one of those who sinks at times on my faith walk, I have counted so many times where Jesus' hand of love and compassion and mercy has reached down and pulled me up. He does it through you. He does it through brothers. He does it through prayer. He does it in a number of ways. But I have been one that has felt his hand as I have sunk in my way faith walk. So number three, keep your eyes on Jesus. Whether it's windy, whether it's storming, whatever the situation you face, you can give a lot of attention to the situation and all the elements, but they will not save you. It's only Jesus who saves. And keep your eyes on him. Well, that's the end of the story, but it's kind of not. When I get to heaven, I'm going to speak to Jesus. I want to worship him and I want to worship my Father God. But someday during intermission, I'm going to look for Peter. And I want to say to him, Peter, tell me, what was it like to walk on the water? Because I know we, we throw you under the bus for taking your eyes off of Jesus. But you know, at the end of the day, you're the only one who walked on the water. You showed me that with all things, it is possible to do the impossible with Jesus. You're one of my heroes because you showed me that even after you slip and fall, he picks you up and he allows you to serve. Wow. Peter, what was it like to just leave the boat and walk on water? I want to know that from him. But there's 11 other guys that I want to talk to as well. And I want to say to them, guys... What happened? Why did you stay in the boat? I mean, what were you thinking? I mean, you see Peter, I mean, what, what were you thinking? Were you thinking, you know, here, there goes Peter, kind of showing off again. What, what, were you, what were you thinking? Were you thinking, well, Peter didn't invite us, so we'll just stay here? What, what were you thinking? You missed an opportunity 
to walk on water. You miss an opportunity to experience the power of Jesus Christ to do the impossible because you stayed in your comfort zone. You stayed in the boat. Guys, what happened? You'd already seen all these wondrous things that Jesus had done, but you chose to stay in the boat quiet. Didn't say a thing. Now, I know Peter wasn't Hispanic, okay? Because a Hispanic wouldn't have said, can I come out to you? A Hispanic would have said, uh, Jesus, can we, can, can we all come out? Because we're group people. We do things in group. So he would have said, can me and my friends, can we, can we come out? I mean, he might have said, can I come? And Jesus would have said, yes. And he said, well, do you mind if I bring my friends? Can we come? Because we come as a group. See, Peter wasn't Hispanic. It's pretty obvious. But the guys in the boat, aren't they sometimes like we are? Aren't we like them? We kind of watch the other person get out of the boat. I wonder how many opportunities you and I have missed because we have chosen to stay in the boat. Maybe to criticize that one that's leading. Oh, I know there's a risk that you take when you leave the boat. But Jesus is worth the risk. And I would say to you that that group of people represents the majority of all of us. Even though we are here in this chapel, even though we've, we've sacrificed to be at this place, they represent a number of us who just will not have the experience of walking on the water, who, who, who will lose that opportunity. And I would say to you this morning that it's the same Jesus who knocks on your door and mine who says to me and you, come, come on. Don't worry about the circumstances. Yes, I know you, you're out in the water. You're away from the land. You've already extended yourself. But today, during the storm that we're all facing, Peter does not have to be the only one that gets out of the boat. He does not have to be the only one who is rescued by Jesus Christ. And I think that's so interesting because for those of us who get out of the boat, we can anticipate some sinking opportunities. Because we're like Peter. We're going to get out of the boat. We're going to walk with him. We're going to see him. And we may just be taking our eyes off of him for a few minutes. We might be confused. We might start looking at other things and, and, and that capture our attention, which happens so easily in the day of, of, uh, of words by friends and, and other things that we do. I can tell you, for those of us that choose to get out of the boat, to walk with him where he goes, there will be those sinking days. It's inevitable. We will become distracted at times. But I also have to say and give thanks to God and say hallelujah. He's right there to recapture my gaze and to reach out and touch me and pick me up. Now you understand that for him to touch somebody, that there's an effect on him. In most days, if you touch somebody who, who's unclean even, 
Back then, you'd have to go through a ritual to get cleaned up. Jesus never worried about those things because he brought cleanliness and holiness to those he touched. There's no risk for him. So, where are you today? I know you're not at the land. I didn't know you, you didn't stay behind. You're, you're in the boat, no doubt. You're here. You're in the boat. Is this a day where you hear the message that allows you to say, you know, I, I need to start looking where Jesus is and I need to get out of the boat. I need to tell somebody that I love, you know, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in this faith walk, in this journey. I've, I've gotten it to where things are working okay for me, but maybe, maybe Jesus has to say to us again, just like he said to Peter, come on, come to where I am. It's risky. There's, there's no net. But your faith in me is all you need. Your trust in me is all you need. Your gaze in me is all you need. There are 40 or 50% of Hispanic students across Texas who are dropping out of high school. They need somebody to, they're sinking. They need somebody to reach out to them and say, we'll help you. We'll believe in you. We will encourage you. We'll lift you up. What an opportunity that we have as believers to share Christ through the outreach of education. You see, when you help a Hispanic person with education, you don't just help a Hispanic person, you help their whole heritage, their whole past, their whole future. And they... they make you part of their legacy. Sam Edwards reached out to my family when I was 12 years old in California. He was a high school teacher and he came out to me and, and I was having trouble with math and, and he reached out. He, he went beyond the boat because back at those days it wasn't so popular for people to be around Hispanics. Everybody had their own groups in California. It was an interesting time for me. And Sam left his comfort zone and he came out of the boat, so to speak, and he invited a Hispanic family to his house. And my dad said, whatever Sam says, you do. And Sam said, I need to help you with your math. And I said, fine. And he said, let's go to the porch. And we went outside and he goes, I'm going to ask you one question. If you tell the truth, your math grades are going to go skyrocket high. I said, man, this guy's good. He is good. One question. What's the question? Sam Edwards said, what's her name. The teacher? He goes, no, the girl you're trying to impress in math class. Ooh, you know about that? Yes. Math teachers talk. Wow. Okay. I told him the name. He goes, okay, here's what we're going to do. Monday, you're going to go and sit in the front row, and every day in class, you're going to ask the teacher a question that indicates that you understand what she's talking about. Oh, he goes, if not, I can visit with your father. I said, no, we don't need to conclude him. This is going to be between you and I. I will be glad to ask that question. I was 12 years old. I am 59. When I got married, our honeymoon, we went to California so she could meet Sam. When I had my first baby, we took her to California so she could meet Sam. When I adopted my sons, 
One of them, his name is Sam. I talk to Sam about once every three months because Sam, a believer in Christ, reached out to this little Hispanic boy to help him. Sam is like an uncle to me. He's like another father to my children. He's a grandfather, if you will. What I want you to say is I want to invite you to consider what God would have you do, if anything at all, to step out of a different kind of boat, to reach out to Hispanic students in America who are falling, who are failing, who need your encouraging words, your tutoring, your mentoring, your prayers to help them have a new reality. And what happens as they become believers in Jesus Christ, you become part of their family. Sam knows that the day he leaves the earth, his wife, she might just come and live with us because she's family, because she invested and we prayed together. And Sam, she's been part of our, who we are now. He's close to our family. That there's no, he's a part of the family tree. Well, just like Mr. Gonzalez, who was preaching in West Texas, and his family, all of his family, is now part of my family tree because Baptists chose to send him out to share the gospel with migrants. He stepped out of his boat, so to speak, became very uncomfortable on horseback and shared the gospel with migrants. What a return on the investment. Yeah, I, I chide. We kid about Peter so much because he failed. He, he took his eye off of Jesus. But at the end of the day, he walked on the water. Thank God for those who would get out of the boat. Thank God for those who would take the faith walk and walk on the water with Jesus. Thank you, Dean Garland, for this opportunity to be with you all today. I invite you to follow Jesus, to walk with him, to go to where he is, and to get out of the boat starting today. God bless you.